In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The text for this Easter Vigil is 1 Peter 3, verses 18 to 22. The Apostle writes, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. This is our text. About 15 years ago, I was sick. It was about this time of year. I was sicker than a dog. So I dragged myself to the doctor. She examined me and I asked, is it serious? Yes, my physician solemnly replied. Do I have to go to the hospital? I gulped. Not if you can follow directions, she told me. Take two pills and call me in the morning. Following directions, I took the two pills and went to bed. Unseen, the medicine defeated the bacteria that had been threatening my health and my life. I felt better in the morning, and when I called my physician, she told me I needed to take care of myself, get plenty of rest, eat right, and keep taking the medicine. You'd be surprised, she told me, how many people feel better, stop taking the medicine, take midnight walks in the rain, and wonder why they get sick and end up in the hospital. Come to think of it, my mother's cousin was a medical student who really pushed himself and kept taking pills but never got the rest, never followed his own directions, and ended up getting pneumonia and dying shortly before his graduation. So I went away impressed by the power of those pills which worked unseen to save my life. And this is something similar to what St. Peter tells us in our text. For Peter is talking about Christ's victory, his victory over death, his proclamation of victory when he descended into hell, all unseen by his followers. So let's meditate on this central idea that Christ's victory is unseen, yet real, and seen in its effects. 
You see, Christ's victory was like that of the Passover, unseen by God's people. You remember the Passover story. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt, but to deliver them, God sent the angel of death to kill the firstborn of every household. To avoid this being killed themselves by the angel of death, they had to sacrifice a lamb and put its blood on their doorposts. And the angel of death would pass over. And while God's people were eating the Passover lamb, they did not see the angel of death. They did not know what was happening exactly, but the effects were plain the next morning. For the Egyptians sent up a whale that was not a house without its dead, and they not only freed the slaves, but they hurried them out of there before any more Egyptians should be killed. So the Israelites were spared of death and freed of slavery. The act of judgment for their enemies was God's act of deliverance to them. But while they had a future promised land, they still sometimes looked back. They still sometimes yearned for the old way of life. And many of them died in the desert because they lost faith. Well, Christ's followers that first Easter were mourning and preparing burial spices to finish embalming his body. But Christ had already risen. He had descended into hell proclaiming victory. But his followers on earth did not know about this. Think of what they thought of the earthquake that they felt, the storms that raged. Matthew 27 says that people were even seeing ghosts because bodies of the saints came out of the tombs and appeared to many after his resurrection. And even when they were told directly that Christ is risen from the dead, news this good takes some time to sink in. For the disciples' reactions were disbelief and fear. Mary Magdalene couldn't believe, though she'd seen a vision of angels. She couldn't believe when she saw Christ himself. She was convinced he was the gardener and he could lead her to Jesus' body. And there are many in church today who still have trouble believing. Oh, they've heard the story. They've been told, whether by angels or their parents, whether by their pastor or their friends, but it still hasn't sunk in. It hasn't changed their life. It hasn't given them hope and new direction. It hasn't changed their way of looking at things. News this good takes some time to sink in. And only by seeing its effects in the world, in our own lives, do we realize Christ's victory, unseen by God's people, has surely taken place. And here is the miracle, that baptism joins you to Christ's victory. Peter says, that the same means water which drowned sinners saved believing Noah. The same means of water which drowned Pharaoh's soldiers saved the Israelites. Just as the angel of death was the means of freeing Israel. So the water of baptism is God's means of connecting you to Christ's death and resurrection. 
At the Passover, only those who had faith obeyed God, put the blood on their doorposts, and were saved in the Exodus. In the flood, only those who had faith and labored building an ark were saved when the judgment came. And only those with faith to obey are benefited by Christ's resurrection to which they are connected in their baptism. For in holy baptism, Christ enters your life to proclaim his victory. When you are baptized, Christ comes to you. He comes into you no, no less than when he descended into hell to proclaim his victory to your sinful flesh and worldly desires. He cries, you are defeated. So whatever sin you have harbored in your heart, whether it's resentment or it's lust or some form of greed or hope for earthly gain, it is defeated. That's what Christ says when he comes into you through baptism. So despair of those things. Put them to death. By the same token, Christ comes to proclaim victory to your desire for God's kingdom, your desire for holiness and everlasting life. He cries, yours is the victory. Yours is new life. Yours is everlasting bliss. Because you have been joined my resurrection. To you he cries, I am with you always, even to the close of the age. And this has an interesting meaning in the Greek. It can be translated as close of the age or to the end of the world, both spatial and temporal. He is with you always because you have been joined to him in holy baptism. To you he proclaims that your life is now a journey to the promised land. So your life not only is saved, but now it has direction, it has hope, it has a purpose. And though unseen, yet we have these tangible blessings because we have been joined to Christ's resurrection in baptism. Peter mentions the blessing of a clear conscience. We can know that we are made right with God for Christ was crucified for our sin and raised for our justification. And we have hope of life in the world to come. Something ahead of us, something outside of us, an ultimate purpose and culmination. For as Christ has been raised from the dead, we too will live a new life as Christ burst through the tomb. So we will appear in our bodies beforehand to receive his commendation, his blessing. In baptism, you have been joined to Christ's resurrection, which will bring you to God. May this good news that we are joined to Christ, be celebrated by you with Christians the world over, because Christ's victory is our victory by virtue of baptism. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And the peace of the risen Christ will keep your hearts and minds in God unto eternal life. Amen.